I am excited to, to see you. I'm excited to, to be a part of what God is doing here. Uh, last night, uh, Michelle and I flew back in from Toronto. Uh, our plane was supposed to leave at 8.30 at night. Then it got changed to 1.30. Then it got canceled. But we were able to get on an earlier flight. Some of you are like, I wish you would have missed this flight. But that's okay. Uh, uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of talking uh, to a, a group of youth workers and students. Uh, I've been invited to this uh, Youth for Christ youth worker student training day for, I think, the last 13 or 14 years I've, I've been there. So it's my Ontario connection. My family's from Ontario, and the beauty with um, being able to go back every February is I get to see my my grandparents. My grandpa passed away about 10 years ago, uh, but my grandma is still living. She has Parkinson's and dementia, and God gave us a great gift when we spent time with her of her singing hymns that she could remember. Um, she knew exactly who uh, who I was still and who my family was. And so it was a great gift of a 93-year-old woman who's longing to go be with Jesus. Um, and so I told her, I'm, I'm praying for you for that grandma. And she said, I'm praying for you too, Matt. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 15, okay? Psalm 15, Psalm 15. Uh, Psalm 15, we're going to look at the first five verses there. Uh, picture David proclaiming these words. Verse 1, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Don't get stuck on the word tent. Suddenly we're like, we think this two-man tent. Think tabernacle, think portable. Who may live on your holy mountain? Verse 2, the one whose walk is blameless who does what is righteous and who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, who casts no slur on others. Doesn't talk badly about others. Look at verse 5. Who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will not be shaken, will not be moved, will be steadfast, whatever word you want to put there. In other words, what David is saying to us is, who can experience the goodness, the presence, the fullness, the peace of God? Who can actually dwell, hang out with, with God? David is talking to us, Simply saying that those who live and walk with integrity. He says those who may dwell are those who lend money to the poor without interest. Who don't accept a bribe against the innocent people. Whoever does these things, they will be steadfast. They will not be shaken. They'll walk uprightly in the fear of the Lord. I read an article this week, maybe because my mind was running through these thoughts on integrity. We're in this sermon series on what did Christ value and what do we need to value? 
And, and so the author of this article was shocked uh, because what the shock was was this person found a, a wallet and it was full of cash. Doesn't sound like most of us, but this wallet was full of cash. This man found the wallet, went to all the work of returning the wallet to the individual and returned it with all the money in it. And the commentators and the person, the author who wrote the article said this, I can't believe the guy returned it with so much money. I mean, it would have cost him to drive the car to return the wallet. It would have cost him the time. And so this week I started to think to myself, isn't it tragic that we live in a world where people are shocked by integrity more than they're shocked by a lack of integrity? Maybe it shouldn't shock us. But the reality is every day we look at social media, we read it on a news app, we find another leader, another celebrity, another politician, somebody else who struggles with integrity. Sometimes in our own family, our friends, they claim to live one way, but we find out they've lived another way. So to start, I want to ask you this simple question. You don't need to answer it, but in your mind, wrestle through this. What is integrity? And before we answer that question, we actually have to start with what integrity is not. Now, let me be really clear to you. Integrity is not perfection. Integrity is not perfection. You're going to mess up. You're not perfect. To live with integrity doesn't mean that we'll never make a mistake. If that were the case, then only Jesus would be able to have integrity. What we're looking for in this life of integrity is what we might call an integrated life. Integrity, and we're moving toward this integrated life. In fact, the word integrity comes from the root of a Latin word, integer which means whole, complete. It means one. So what would it look like in our life if we follow that definition? Too often in our lives, many of us live compartmentalized lives. We know God wants us to live this whole life, but we kind of separate our life. For example, sometimes in our life we have a compartment that says this, this is my professional life. That's what I do at work. And then we have another compartment in our life. It's, it's not my professional life, it's my family life. And not only is there a family life, but there's also my social life. And then there's another compartment that I would say is our spiritual life. And then there's one place that no one else is allowed to see, and we call that our private life. So often we think that our professional life is separate from our spiritual life because we don't want to offend anyone in our professional life with our spiritual beliefs. But when you and I get into our family, we keep our private life separate because we don't want our family to know what we do in private. 
But when we go into our social life, that's different from what we do in our spiritual life, which is profoundly different than what we do in our private life. Without even knowing it, we start to live this compartmentalized life. That's not integrity. Integrity is way more holistic. As followers of Jesus, we want Jesus to direct all our lives. Jesus doesn't want us to have broken li- our life into broken little compartments where I say this from the front and then this is what I do in the front of another group. Jesus leads our relationship in our social life and Jesus is the core of our family life. Matt and Michelle and Maris and McCauley are not just a Christian family, but we're a family centered around the teachings of Jesus. Jesus' teaching drives our private life. So what's integrity? We might say it this way, is integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. It's what you show on the outside is a true reflection of what you believe on the inside and vice versa. If you have your Bibles, turn to the next chapter, I mean the next uh, book, Proverbs chapter 10. So we were in Psalms, we learned what David said. Proverbs 10 verse 9 says this, whoever, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Are you starting to see the theme? David talked about steadfastness when we have integrity. Here Solomon's talking about a desire that we walk securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will always be found out. Whoever walks in integrity always walks securely. I don't know if you've ever done something wrong. Maybe it's just me. You knew it, and then you had this fear. Man, I sure hope they don't find out. Well, that's not walking securely. Maybe you're wondering, hoping, you're praying that you don't get caught. In the same way, I have never one time walked in integrity, done the right thing, and started to beg God, I hope they don't find out what I did was right. I hope I, no one knows what I did was honoring to God. We know this, when we do the wrong thing, our life starts to get a lot more stressful. So what's integrity? Integrity is when your private life is consistent with your public life. It's who you are when no one's looking. We've heard that. It's, it's different than reputation. I think sometimes we, we take integrity and we go, well, it's my reputation. Reputation is what others think we are. But integrity is who we really are. The integrity of the upright will guide them. So what's the opposite of integrity? If our goal is an integrated life centered around Jesus, the opposite in many ways, we could say is simply hypocrisy. It's to be a hypocrite. We know this. One of the greatest criticisms of being a Christian is we're a bunch of hypocrites. So where does that word come from? The the Greek word translated for hypocrite is hypocrites. And if you've ever seen one of those Greek plays where they have those ridiculous-looking masks, they're hypocrites. 
What that is, is there's a different person behind the mask, but what I'm showing you on the exterior is inconsistent with who I really am. And what's fascinating is when you read in Scripture, you'll actually see this, that Jesus was way harder on hypocrites than he was on prostitutes and people who had committed adultery. Anytime that you see Jesus addressed a hypocrite, he really came down on them, not just for living in the wrong way, but claiming what they did was right when they were actually living the wrong way. Here's what it says in Matthew 23. If you have your Bibles, flip now into the New Testament. Matthew 23, verse 25 says this. And you can see Jesus saying this in that calm voice. Woe to you, teachers of the law. And those Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee, can't you see it? First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. So then that gets us to a point of what was Jesus actually saying? In many ways, he was saying simply, it's not just what you show on the outside that really matters, it's what's on the inside. Come back to that. To live a life of integrity means we have to have an integrated life. We want Jesus, the Son of God, the way, the truth, the life, the living water, the bread of life, the true vine to guide and direct and empower It's not about compartmentalizing, it's integrated around the truth, the glory, the love, the grace, the power, the direction of who Jesus is. It's not what's on the outside that's directing us, it's actually from the inside. It's from our heart. Let me illustrate it this way. Listen to a story just for a second. There was this well-known home builder that worked for a massive building company. And this man built some of the finest homes year after year after year. He had an incredible 40-year career building homes. As anyone who's done something for 40 years, toward the end of his career, he was tired. He was ready to go be grandpa. He was ready to raise his kids. So 35 years into his time, he started to declare to the company, Hey, it's been 35 years. In five years, I'm retiring. Hey, it's been 36 years. In four years, I'm retiring. It's been 37. You know the pattern. I'm retiring this year. I'm retiring six months from now. And he kept broadcasting it to the entire company. At the one-month mark before retirement, the owner of the company came to him and said, could you build one more home for us? And the guy was partially hurt. He was partially offended. He said, for four decades, I've been faithful to you. I told you a long time ago, my time is coming to an end. I won't do any more. The owner said, buddy, we've been good friends for many years. And you've been one of the best. And I wouldn't ask you to do this if it didn't mean a lot to me. Will you just do one more home? The guy, in a grumpy way, said, fine, I'll do one more. 
but his heart wasn't in it. And this guy who normally built the best of the best cut corners like he had never cut before. He got the job done fast. He used products that weren't as good. He used cheaper subcontractors that didn't have integrity. On the outside of the home, nobody would have ever known. But this guy on the inside knew it was far from his best work. At the end of the project, the owner came up to him with a big smile on his face and said, I want to tell you that we value your work here more than you could ever imagine. And as gratitude for 40 years of service, we want to give you this house as your way out. Here are the keys to your house. And the builder recognized what all of us will recognize one day, and that is this. You are building your own home. Every decision you make today, how you live, what you say, what you do, you're building your own home. Whether you choose to be generous or selfish with people, whether you do what's right or you cut corners, whether you show honor and build others up or show dishonor and tear others down, whether you extend grace or judge people harshly, whether you tell the truth about what happened or tell a story in a way that benefits you, you are building your own house. Integrity, it matters. Let me talk to the parents for a moment and help us all understand. We're building our legacy as parents. What happens in our home matters more than you could ever imagine. In years of working in the church, you know what I've discovered? The fastest way to turn kids off of Jesus is to claim one thing and to live a different thing in the home. The fastest way to turn your children against God and the things of God is to claim the things of God publicly and live far from the things of God in your private life. Friends, we're building our home. Every day, every decision, every interaction you have with people makes us get to a place where we need to not live a compartmentalized life, but an in an integrated life driven by grace, truth, beauty, and the power and the love of Jesus. So here's the question today. What's your integrity worth? Because all of us have a price. There's a point in which we all compromise. And so I ask you again, what is your integrity worth? Another way of saying this is, what would your actions say that your integrity is worth? For example, if you lie on a resume to get more pay on a job, your integrity, is it worth 30000 50000 150000 That's what your integrity is worth. You're selling out at a certain price. If you falsely turn in an expense report or you embezzle something from your, worth, from your work, what is your integrity worth? Friends, your integrity might be worth a ream of paper that you took home for your private use. If you cheat on an exam to get a better grade, or if you exaggerate on the story so someone like you may like you, sorry, what is your integrity worth? Maybe it's $89 a month because you're stealing your neighbor's Wi-Fi. Maybe it's $18.99 a month because you're using your friend's login to watch Netflix. Is this getting too real? 
What's your integrity worth? Maybe it's like eight bucks so that you can lie about your kid's age to get a discount on your admission. What's your integrity worth? When you have integrity, nothing else matters. And when you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, I I want you to spend a few minutes with me in this very powerful prayer. This is an incredibly difficult prayer to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray it. And it goes like this, search me, O God. Search me, O God. And, And know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Sounds a lot like integrity. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Is there any part of my life that's compartmentalized, that isn't integrated around the truth and goodness of Jesus? Search my heart. The the reason that this is probably a difficult prayer to pray for all of us is because Scripture teaches us that our heart is deceitful above all things. It's very difficult to even see the truth because my heart lies to me all the time. I'm going to ask you, is there an area of your life that you are open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit that might need a little bit of correction? Well, let me give you some practical steps as we walk out of here. Here's three areas that we can evaluate ourselves in. Here's the very first one. Where am I most defensive? Because what I found for me, this is Matt speaking, is where I'm most defensive often reveals where I'm most vulnerable. So where am I most defensive? No, that wouldn't be me. I would never do that. Here's the second thing. Ask myself always, what don't I want others to know? Ask myself, what, do I want, what don't I want others to know? Where is it that you're hiding something that you're keeping your private life away from others? And here's the third one. Ask myself this simple question, what do I criticize most in others? See, I found that what I criticize is usually a reflection of where I feel I'm the weakest. Search my heart, God. See if there's any offensive way in me. Acknowledge that area. Search me, God. Just pray and listen. Acknowledge, God. Show me any area where my actions are incorrect, inconsistent with what God's words teach it, with what God's word teaches. Maybe I exaggerate a story so that people will think better of me. Maybe I talk really bad about people to make myself feel better. Maybe I gossip, but I try to make it sound spiritual. Maybe I claim that I have this spiritual life that's growing, but there's that secret hidden sin that just keeps tripping me up. Test me, O God. See if there's any offensive way in me. Is there any part of my life that I have compartmentalized and not integrated with the love and grace of Jesus? Then I confess it. And I let him cleanse me, let him forgive me as he does. It's that First John 1, 9, 
I confess my sins, God is faithful and just. God will forgive my sins and God will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. See, talent might get you to the top, but integrity is what allows you to stay at the top. Because when you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. What's difficult is there's going to come times this week where you're going to have to muster up the courage to do the right thing. Maybe with God's help, I can do what's right and trust God with the results. Go back to that place that I started. It's tragic that people today are more shocked by integrity than they are shocked by the lack of it. And so in the very same way God shocked the world when we were still sinning, he sent Jesus. While they were still cursing at him, he sent Jesus. Jesus looked at the people and said, Father, forgive them. In the same very way, we as integrated followers of Jesus continue to shock the world with love and with generosity, with grace and integrity. May the world look at us and say, I may not even believe what they believe, but man, they sure believe it in the way that they give, the way they love, the way they serve. And maybe that Jesus that we show them drives them to understand the real Jesus. Jesus, search my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May that be our prayer. And if you pray that prayer, that's not a desire for a compartmentalized life, but an integrated life. Let me pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us values that we can look at in your life and see we need to have in our life. Help us be honest people. And as we go into this week, may we have opportunities to show that there is a God who loves people unconditionally. You are a great God. Be with my friends as they go back into their world to be missionaries, to be agents of restoration, to be ambassadors of Christ. We love you. In your name, amen.